Hello and welcome to the Horizon Church podcast. We exist to see lives transformed through Jesus and are located in the heart of Surrey, BC, Canada. To find out more, visit us at horizonchurch.ca. We hope this message blesses and inspires you. Good morning. Some of you are trying to figure out if it is morning. I saw some coming in that normally come to prayer, coming in at 10. <laughs> I didn't out you. You just did yourself, bro. <laughs> uh, it, whatever. If you're here, great. If you are uh, just realized the time has changed and you're still at home, that's all right, too. We're just glad you're here. Uh, welcome back. To, Daniel already mentioned it. Jen and Praxis, our uh, Princeton campus Pastors were away for a few weeks on some much-needed holiday, and so we welcome them back, and I know you're clapping in the room for them right now. I'm <laughs> and I meant Princeton, but good job, everybody. That's good. Well, the uh, thing about time changes is if you have little kids, they don't know. So they just wake up whenever, and whatever. Uh, it's fun. You know, I, there was a great, uh, speaking of kids, another baby added this week, Dave and Angie Mackay, had a little baby boy, James Isaac Mackay. Now, that gets, that's, those are some very Scottish-sounding names almost, James Isaac. Wow, wonderful. So good to have little ones being born, uh, that we're a multicultural, multi-generational church from the very, very young to the very, very old. I'm not going to say who's very, very old in the room. You'll figure it out. Uh, we'll just leave it at that. Uh, we have two RCA, our Regent Christian Academy teams uh, that are, uh, one in Mexico that just finished building a house uh, this week and is ministering this morning, and another team in Paraguay uh, that is uh, just arrived there on Friday, late Friday, I think. I got a picture, uh, Shanda is with that team, and uh, it was a picture of, here's what they had for dinner last night, and if you have kids on there or if you know uh, teens, they had, it was made for the men of the church, and they were going to make tacos with it, and they had cooked in the ground for around uh, 18 hours or something like that, and they took it out and put it on the table and unwrapped it, and it was the head of a cow. And these kids got to enjoy some meat off the head of a cow. So wonderful for them. Thank, thank God that it's them and not us, right? Acts chapter 2, 42 to 47. This is following, we're jumping into a story kind of halfway. Uh, this is after 3,000 people had come to know Jesus. They had been 120 people in the church. And in one day, 3,000 were added, at least 3,000. Uh, were added. And they came together. How are we going to do this? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone, say everyone, was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. Every day, Oh, sorry. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day, every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. We've been on a series called Koinonia that got interrupted for a couple of weeks, but we're back on. 
uh, and going to keep going. But it started with Daniel talking about the power of relationships, of centered on Jesus, that our commonality is not in our political alliance. It's not whether we're vegans or whether we love the Canucks or hate the Canucks or whether we think the Seahawks are going to win the Super Bowl. Our commonality is none of those things. As followers of Jesus, our commonality and our unity is centered on the person and way of Jesus Christ. And Ryan followed that up with talking about how it's so important that we have built our relationships and our conversations around how are we applying the word of God to our life? Because there are a lot of voices in the wind. There are a lot of, you can find anybody to say anything online right now, but that we would ground ourselves in the word of God and as the spirit of God gives us wisdom and insight out of it. And as Ryan reminded us, the the disciples on the road to Emmaus, it says their hearts burned within them because they recognized that God was speaking to them through his word as they discussed together. And I spoke about the importance of even though we want to be a close Christian community of relationship that we cannot forget that they are, even in this moment, in this time, daily we're being added to the church. That we don't forget the missional side of being a follower of Jesus, of seeing people served and seeing people saved as we work together in community. Let's pray. Jesus, I pray that you would open our eyes to see and our ears to hear and our hearts to understand and obey you and follow you in all that you are calling us to. Lord, I pray for wisdom and revelation that you would break through for each one of us and speak to each of us, not for someone else, but for ourselves. That we would, not, that we would lower our deflector shields and just allow and invite the Holy Spirit to speak to us. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm... I uh, got some new shoes. These are not them, but I, I got some new shoes uh, that uh, last week about preparing to run a half marathon. And about 2013, I ran a half marathon and at the same, in the same few months, a Tough Mudder race. And a Tough Mudder is, it makes it sound so strong and you're going to be, but there's about 17 kilometers and there's multiple obstacles that you have to go through. And uh, I decided to do it with some other friends. And we, play, uh, we trained together in the rain and in the cold and in the heat. And we were getting ready, exercising, and you feel like you're going to die some days. And I was remembering, why am I doing this? I don't know if I'll be able to complete, my, complete it. And really, why do I want to punish myself this way? But I did it anyway. Why not? And uh, there were things like when we got to it, you, you had to swim through uh, a tank, like a big 20-foot tank that was full most of the way. The top two feet were ice, and you dove in, and you swam through it, and then, then you're like freezing. I was almost crying, and I looked, and there was a lady about this tall, and she wasn't doing anything. I thought I better get myself going, and then you run, and you're going through obstacles of climbing up high and jumping off 20, 30 feet into water that is dirty and mucky and you're doing all kinds of things. But when we started the, the race as a group, we made the commitment that this was not about any one of us winning a time challenge. It was about us as a group finishing together, helping one another to get over the obstacles, dragging each other through if we had to, pushing each up, uh, other over if we needed to so that we could get through the race. And even though there were thousands of people running the race at the same time as me, I knew that I had my people with me and my people were gonna help me 
as if I think I was 42 at the time. I thought, and, and I had started out very, uh, way out of shape, but I knew that my people were not gonna let me down and were gonna keep walking with me and sometimes it was walking and we helped each other get through because the goal was that all of us would finish the race. All of us would finish the race, supporting and encouraging one another. Life is a little bit like a Tough mutter race. Anybody who has told you that if you just follow Jesus, all your problems will magically disappear. It's not true. Your problems don't disappear, but you walk through them with the power of Jesus and with the power of other people, and we support one another. In fact, Paul uses the analogy more than once of athleticism to illustrate the Christian life. He talked about running a race many times. He talked about fighting like a boxer. He used the illustration of soldiers at other times, where it was, there's difficult challenges and we need the support. Somebody say support. We need the support of each other to get through because the goal is not that you win at the expense of someone else. The goal is that we all encourage and support and walk with one another to get through the race and the calling that God has on each one of us. And this passage in Acts reminds us we can't do life alone. We need to support one another. And here in Acts we see the reminder of this group that had exploded from 120 to 3,000 in a single day. I was talking with someone this week and reminding ourselves, if we believe truly in revival, then we have to engage in a different way. We can't sit and wait, we can't sit and watch, but we must be engaged in a different and a more intentional way than we are right now. Maybe not you, but some of us for sure. When we, if we believe what the scripture says that repent and turn to God as Acts 3 and 19 says so that times of refreshing may come from heaven. If we believe what we've already read that submit yourselves and turn to God, draw near to God and he will draw near to you, then we must believe that we need more. 3,000 people, overwhelming. How are they gonna be trained? How are they gonna be discipled? How are they gonna be brought forward? They didn't have a huge organization. They didn't have a lot of resources, but however, they modeled a way that has guided the followers of Jesus for millennial. It's emphasis on relationship at the center of our discipleship, at, on relationship at the center of transformation of our thinking, of our life. And we see this in Acts 2. You had people from 14 different nations, different cultures, different backgrounds, different areas that they've come from. And we look to this Acts 2 passage because from this group of people, they turned the world upside down, it says. From this group of people, they went into all the known world. People were saved by the power of Jesus. People that were demonized were set free by the power of Jesus. People that were sick were healed. People that were far apart from one another were brought together by the power of Jesus. And so when we see that happening, it's instructive for us and helpful for us as well in this day and in this time as God moves on us that do it again, Lord, that we would see people saved. Anybody? That we would see people that are in addiction set free. Anybody? 
that it, we would see families brought back together, that we would see marriages restored, that we would see people find their purpose in God, that is not just uh, make money and go to work and come home, but that you have a divine purpose in God. And so when we see this group of people, different cultural and ethnic backgrounds, just so many people from all over the world, and it was growing fast, a multicultural, multi-ethnic, multi-generational move, uh, this group of people from all over, Differing needs, differing strengths, differing weaknesses, differing ages. It's the church, a mixed up, hodgepodge group of people following Jesus together, supporting one another. But how are they going to grow as new believers? How will they support each other? How will they be supported themselves? How are needs going to be met? How are issues going to be solved? How will the church keep moving and not be bogged down? And we're going to look at a few things that we see in the early church community, how they showed up for one another and how they supported each other. Say, I'm showing up. I'm showing up. And they supported one another. This was an intergenerational, an intercultural move of God. Young and old, men and women, old dreamers and young visionaries working together, young adults, youth, Old people, everywhere in between, young families, everybody supporting one another to individually and corporately become what God has called us to be. How many are believing for this again? How many are saying, well, God, would you do it again? Because I have a firm foundation and a belief that what the scripture says, when the enemy comes in like a flood, that the spirit of God raises up a standard. In other words, the enemy will not have the last word in our families. That the enemy will not have the last word in your a relationship that the enemy will not have the last word in Princeton, that the enemy will not have the last word in our churches, that God is moving in the world, and that as we submit to him and follow along with him, as you read through the book of Acts, as you read through the New Testament, it tells a beautiful story of communities in different cities and regions, supporting each other through persecution, supporting each other through financial challenges, supporting each other through marital challenges, supporting each other through whatever they were walking through together. We hear it and we think, oh, that's so beautiful. But isn't it true that in life we find it difficult to give and receive support? Because it seems that our Western way of living Wars against the biblical supportive community. We're taught from a very young age to be individualistic, to be independent. We can push the independence thing too far. We don't want you so dependent that you're still at 28, don't have a job in mom's basement playing video games. We don't want that. And that's not what you're created for. Nor do we, on the other hand, want us to be so independent that we're not walking with people and allowing people to speak into our lives and allowing a, a, a relational back and forth between us. And it's probably a better word might be to be interdependent. I am being worked on by God. You are being worked on by God. And together, God can do something meaningful and powerful in us and through us. But we're taught, for some of us, that... It's almost viewed as weak to ask for or need help. For others, we just don't have time. I, we go to work, we fight traffic, we run back, and we 
The garage door goes up, we rush her in, the garage door goes down, we get our kids ready, we do our things, and we watch a show and we go to bed. Just don't have time, Pastor. For others, you were controlled maybe a lot. So the idea of opening up your life to someone else and you're saying, I'm not gonna let somebody control me. Or maybe you've been through pain in a relationship and you shut down the door and keep everybody at a distance because no one's gonna hurt you again. Or maybe you've had disappointment. If I'm gonna get it done, if it's gonna be done, I should say, I'm gonna have to do it so I don't need other people. And Jesus said in John 13, 35, that people will know that we follow him because of the love we have for one another. So it stands to reason that Satan's great goal is to destroy our ability to love others and receive that love because that is what makes us look like Jesus the most. And for various reasons, I have, I personally have difficulty opening up my heart easily, but I'm learning through prayer, through counsel, through pain, through grace, through the goodness of God, to open up my life even more. We cannot let our experience determine our theology. In other words, because I've learned isolation or I, I walk in isolation that I'm gonna keep doing that when God calls us into supportive community. So let's drop down to verse 46 and 47. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. So I just wanted to pull out a few things that I see as the marks of a supportive community that we get to be a part of, that where God is calling us to grow in. Number one is that we take responsibility. The body took care of the body. It, doesn't, it says they met together. They, were, they devoted themselves together. They were together. They had, and there was this togetherness that wasn't dependent on a, a hierarchical organization. It was the people of God working together, supporting one another, looking out for one another, keeping eyes out for one another. Someone's, the, the proverb says, if you want friends, be friendly. Our world is a, kind of has a victim mentality very often. Nobody's being a friend to me. But the biblical mandate is, if you don't have friends, show yourself friendly to be a front foot person. Everyone taking responsibility for supporting each other. Freely I've received, freely I've given. There are times when you are on the outside looking in, take a step and begin to move forward in it. And it's not always easy. I get that. I am the introvert in the room who is backed against the wall, watching, eating the chips, hoping that another half an hour I have to be here. That's, so I get that. I'm not trying to make every introvert into an extrovert, but I am trying to make a disconnected and believe that God is trying to make a disconnected, disassociated body into a functioning, supportive body that God can work in and can work through. We take responsibility. Here's another one. We meet regularly. In this case, it says every day they met together. Now that's not a prescriptive thing, but I do believe this that it's more often than, or it's maybe not as often as every day meeting together, but neither it is, is it not the other extreme, once a month meeting together. It takes time. 
It takes a willingness to work together, to be together at some level. Then we meet in larger groups. You see it, they met in the temple. We gather to worship, we gather to pray, we gather to sing, we gather to sit under the word preached. And it's really in this type of community, as you look around the room right now, and whether even in Princeton, that we're all so different. Look around at somebody and maybe turn to them and remind them that they're different. They're different, and that's not a bad thing. They're different. I didn't say weird. I said different. They're different. But it's possible to have a Christ-centered community if we stay centered on Jesus. This type of community with differing ages, differing cultural backgrounds, different family backgrounds, different uh, ways of looking at life, different political perspectives, all of that laid down, our preferences laid down at the feet of Jesus and said, together we're better as we work together, supporting one another, serving one another. And it's a beautiful thing because it's sacrificial. It's humbling to lay down my preference in honor, preferring one another in love. But whoever you desire to become, you won't get there alone. If you don't remember anything else I say today, whoever you desire to become, you won't get there alone. We need each other. So they met in larger groups. They met in smaller groups. Different social spaces for different perspectives, for different purposes in the process of life transformation. It's not either or, it's both and we need the large group and we need the small group. We need what the large group does. We need what a small group does. And there are different sizes of group that help. And we have them here. Jesus modeled this. He preached to crowds of hundreds. And then he had a group of disciples, about 70, that he sent out two by two. And then he had how many apostles? Twelve. It wasn't a trick question, but it's okay. I wasn't going to make you name them in order. Twelve. And then he had a group of three that he seemed to spend a little bit more time with. Peter, James, and John. And he even had one, John, that's called the disciple whom Jesus loved. And John wrote that in his epistle, so I don't know. Anyway, we'll leave it there. But we need all of those different size of groups. That's why we have the mid-sized groups of where you can share snapshots of your life, whether it's a men's group or a women's group or a youth group or a young adult group or a pillars group or whatever is so that you can go a little deeper, maybe just a little bit more than you do on a Sunday and share some snapshots. Here's what God's doing in my life. But then there's another level of a little, maybe eight to 12 people where you start to share some details of your life and you pray for one another. And then there's the most challenging one, which is a group of three or four where you are transparent with. They know everything. That's the scariest place. But we need all those spaces to help us move forward in the process of transformation. That's why you see them meeting in temples. That's why you see them meeting from house to house. That's why you see Jesus doing it. We meet in smaller groups, both in. That's why we, one of the groups, if you're trying to find your space here, you've been coming for a while and you come on Sunday, take Grow Track today and learn how to meet other people and serve. Or come to, a, come to men's tonight. What time is it happening at? Daniel doesn't know. 
Horizonfam.ca. <laughs> That was my own test. I'm like, for men, or I think there's about six or eight spots left for bowling tonight. And again, that's meant so that we can share snapshots of life and just be together. It's okay. It's good. Horizonfam.ca, you can go on right now. If you haven't got there, there's only a few spots left. And then they also show us that they share life together. They ate together. They laughed together around a meal. They shared details. Uh, no doubt the joys, the struggles, the victories of life around a table because sharing helps to create trust, which is a prerequisite for security and happiness or joy. And when we share our feelings, our knowledge, our resources, our possessions, we create a relationship of trust where we feel secure and significant. So we share life and then we have joy. Look at that. They met together and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God. Joy is the secret ingredient of relationships because joy is the regulator of all the other emotions. If you have great joy, it helps you to overcome in so many other areas. And scripture tells us that the what of the Lord is our strength. The joy. Not the love. The love is really, really, really important. But the joy of the Lord is our strength. And of course, our joy is based in love. And, but the joy of the Lord is our strength. The psalmist tells us that in your presence is fullness of joy. In other words, God's happy. God's happy. He's happy with you. I love it where it says Jesus was preparing to be baptized was baptized and says, this is my son whom I love and whom I'm well pleased. Before he had ever done one miracle, before he had parted or made water into wine or any of that, this is my son whom I love and whom I'm well pleased. God is joyful. In this book, The Other Half of Church, Dr. Jim Wilder, who is a, a theologian, writes this, since joy helps us regulate painful emotions, this is why it's really important, when it runs low, we will look to non-relational sources to stop the pain. We become vulnerable to pseudo-joys, fake joys. They are substances or experiences that attempt to trick our brain to temporarily shut off unpleasant emotions, but are ultimately non-relational and non-fulfilling. So that would be things like food, scrolling through social media, watching TV again and again and again, pornography, reading for distraction, those glasses of wine, weed, sugar, whatever, whatever, whatever. He goes on to say this, increasing our joy will naturally calm our hunger for pseudo joy. Joy is important. And let me tell you, I am not naturally a joyful person in the sense of looking for opportunities to joy. I enjoy the moment and then I'm on to the next thing. But God is teaching me to sit in joy, enjoy the moment. Was it last week or the week before I had to stand up here? People said nice things about me. I'm learning to enjoy the moment because it's part of how God helps us. Two simple things that can help you. These are for free. Build your joy and by extension, your emotional strength. Again and again, this is backed up by science, but it's based first on the word of God. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face what? Shine upon you. 
In other words, you know when someone's smiling at you? Do you know the, when we had those times of wearing masks and we could tell if you were fake smiling because your eyes weren't smiling? But smile. There's this beautiful thing that a genuine smile and eye contact helps people immediately. It does something in our brain that I feel welcomed and I feel belong. I feel like I belong. Our little granddaughter, I have this little, I'd like to test it out and see what it would be like. If we welcomed every person that came into our life, like we welcome, like a good grandparent welcomes a grandchild. Because when my grandchild walks in the door, she walks in confident as anything, owning the world. And I say, Windsor! And she says, hi, pops. So good to see you. And it's this eye contact, this smile, and it does something for a belonging. What would it look like if when people walked into your frame of, or into your perspective right there, and you locked eyes and you just smiled at them? They first might want to arrest you, I know, but we're not talking about that. But people that you know, if you just smiled when they came in the room. When your spouse came home from work and you gave them the biggest smile, even though you were like, I can't wait to hand off these kids to you. But if you smile and lock eyes, if you try that practice, it's going to help all of our joy quotient grow. And this other one, practicing gratitude and gratefulness. There's always something we can complain about. Does anybody have something that you wish you could, that you do complain about? Oh, only me and one other person. Okay. But practicing gratitude and gratefulness about what we have to be grateful for and why we're grateful for it. And here's, here's the reason for that. Psalm 100 verse 4, I will enter his gates with thanksgiving. I will enter his courts with praise. In other words, I can step into another closer dimension of the presence of God by being thankful and grateful. So if you have a problem with keeping your joy quotient up, if we do, practice gratefulness and gratitude and thankfulness. Whoever you desire to become, you won't get there alone. This group of people were truly living out the reality that Jesus said in John 13 and 35, by this everyone knows that you are my disciples. Nearly every analogy of Christianity in the scriptures Highlight the importance of a strong, supportive community. First Peter 2 and 5. I think it's up on the screen. You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house. You're being fit together. Another uh, translation says stones are different shapes, different colors, different sizes, come from different areas, are being shaped and put together despite their different experiences and pressures that formed them into what they were. But God can put all of us into our spot. You have a spot. There is a space. There is a place for all of us somehow in the great plan of God. We don't always get it right. We know that. But what you need flows from who you know. God put you next to somebody that needs you. God put you next to somebody that you need and I need. Together we have more strength. Together we have power to change. Together we experience God's presence. Together we experience more love. Together we are more missional. Together we find a sense of security. Together we make a difference in the world. Together 
the church moves forward together. Different perspectives, different wisdom, together we can impact the world because wherever, whoever you desire to become, you will not get there alone. Another analogy is the body. 1 Corinthians 12 and 21, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. It reminds us that by ourselves, we are not enough. I was, while I was preparing for this, I, I thought, what a, so opposite to our world. People always want to say, just say, I'm enough. The reality is I'm not enough. It's not true. I'm not enough all by myself. Now, I'm enough in the sense that God's identity and all that kind of stuff, but for what God has for our lives, we are not enough by ourselves. We are not solo. We are not lone rangers. We are not by ourselves, but together, God does something beautiful and significant in the world. We are not all the same, but under the leadership of Jesus Christ, we can support one another in life and ministry and mission together, loving one another, finding security, finding belonging together. You have a piece of the puzzle, I have the piece of the puzzle, and together God can make something beautiful. So I want you to stand to your feet and just gonna respond real quick. I don't know if there's a, someone can go on the key or something like that. But I said earlier that Satan's goal is to destroy our ability to love people because that is what it makes us most like Jesus in the world. So I just want to ask you, consider two potential responses. Number one, and we're going to talk about this more in next week as well. Consider someone who you might be able to gather with beyond Sunday. Because our purpose is always connected to people. Whoever we desire to become, we won't get there alone. And we recognize as well, so that might be step number one. We recognize as well that it's challenging at times if, because in relationships we are hurt. Hurt people, hurt people. But can I tell you another truth? That healthy people heal people. So I don't wanna stay stuck in that. I wanna move forward in this, healthy. Relationships cause us the greatest pain, they bring us the greatest joy and love. With God's help, we can become a supportive community of faith centered around Jesus. So we talked about it in our um, announcement already. But consider taking a set free retreat. It's something that we set aside. We do it one to two times a year. It's designed to help us deal with the hurts, the hangups, and the sins in our life. And if you haven't taken it for a few years, you took it a number of years ago, I'd encourage you to take it again. If you've never taken it before, it's through teaching and small group, through prayer, through worship, God sets people free into, and fills them afresh with the Holy Spirit. We see it again and again and again. So it's on the onhorizonfam.ca. It's happening March 31st, Friday and Saturday, April 1st. You gotta be at both day, both the evening and the morning and the day. Gotta go to all of it in order to get all of the, what's there for you. But let me encourage you to do that because I know for myself over the last year or so, God's been dealing with all this stuff inside of me so that I can be a healthier me. Because I wanna be a healthier me so that I can be a better man, a follower of Jesus, a better husband, a better father, a better pops. 
That's the easiest one. A better pastor, better friend, all of that. And I'm not there yet. I need to regularly come to Jesus. Say, God, I don't want to live out of my past. I don't want to live out of my pain. I want to live out of the purpose of God for my life. If that's you, even Princeton is going to bring down some people. Pastor Jan's going to load up a car. Some of you might think you're going somewhere on March 31st to her house for dinner. She's going to stick you in the car and you're coming down. Some of you that are here, right, in the room, some of you that are watching online, you need to sign up, you need to be a part of it because we need to deal with the things that get in the way of our relational equity. I've got lots to learn in this, but whatever we desire to become, we won't get there alone. I just invite you to raise your hand. We're gonna pray. I wanna pray for all of us in this area of challenge. Lord Jesus, I pray for all of us, including me, Lord, that you would help us take the steps that we need to take to become a community that is supportive of one another, that we will not go forward alone, but we will go forward together. Give us courage to face the pain of our past. Give us courage to deal with the problems in our present so that we can live out the purpose of God for our future. Give us courage to take a step, whether that's joining a coming to a men's thing tonight or a pillars meeting another time or it's going to set free, that we will take steps, that you call us forward, that we will not let it be just a church that we see in history, that we see in the books of the Bible, but Lord, that it will be our reality that we live, that people will see and know that Jesus is alive because the people of God love one another deeply from the heart. Forgive us, Lord where we've chosen our preference over people. Forgive me, Lord. Have your way, King Jesus. Reveal every lie we believe. Come with your truth. We need you, Jesus. And heal our hearts. Turn our affections. Spirit of the living God, we need you. We want to come into alignment with the prayer of Jesus that we'd walk in unity. Thank you that we are living stones being fit together to carry the presence of God. Thank you that we are a body walking and moving in our world, in our community, doing the things of God. Thank you that we are family, that you set the solitary into family, lead forth the prisoner with singing. We need you, Jesus. We need you, Jesus. Pray for us corporately. Pray for us individually. Help us, Lord Jesus. We need you. If you need Jesus helping us, just speak it out, out loud. I need you. I need you, Jesus. 
I need you, Jesus. I need you, Jesus. I need you, Jesus. Celebrate your goodness and your kindness. In the strong name of Jesus, and everyone said, amen and amen. We hope you enjoyed this message from Horizon Church. To find your next step, visit horizonfam.ca. Have a great week.